Welcome to the Shift Happens podcast, where we explore the latest trends and insights in the digital workplace. From the role of AI in the workplace to the future of remote work, we cover it all. Tune in as we chat with industry leaders and experts. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started in the digital landscape, we've got you covered. Subscribe to Shift Happens wherever you listen to podcasts and stay ahead of the curve. In this episode, we feature Dan Lewis and Rob Landis from the city of Seattle. We talk about the struggles of transitioning from an on-premises to a cloud collaboration environment. How do you resource and reskill? We also dive into their experience scrambling to support work-from-home policies in response to COVID-19 and how they've gone from an accelerated pilot to a place where they're examining how to make sure their compliance, records, information lifecycle, and other policies are in place. We also discuss their training and adoption strategies from office hours to growing a champion program of over a thousand people. I know you learned something from this interview. Shift Happens Podcast. So you have all the heads of the city, um, this one command center. This was very, 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 very early as things were starting to, you know, happen. Um, you know, the first day people started shifting to go into work from home and you know, I, I remember entering there and it was that moment of, hey, actually, you know, you all shouldn't be in the same building either. Uh, it's command center, you know, so it's time, you know, it's time to start doing this telework as well, right? We got to dismiss this. And so, of course, the, you know, deer in headlights came of how are we going to communicate? Welcome back to the Shift Happens Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Raymond Sai, Modern Workplace Professional, Microsoft Regional Director and MVP. I'm here today with my long-lost friend, Dan Lewis, Director of Service Modernization the City of Seattle. Hey, Dan, it's so good to talk to you. Hi, so good to talk to you, Ducks. It's been a hot minute. I know, but hey, time flies when, when we're having fun, right? It, yes, it does. <laughs> so, listen, I, I just came across this awesome article on ZDNet talking about City of Seattle. And it, it's just amazing uh, what you all have done and the work you're doing because you, you aren't modernizing the IT operations of just any city. You're operating in the land of Amazon and Microsoft. So is it, is it helpful to have these giants in your backyard and form these relationships? Or does it make it more difficult because everyone is such a digital native that the expectations are so high? Ooh, those are good questions. Um... I'll be honest with you, Ducks. Um, so even though Seattle is home to um, some of the large tech companies and we, and the city does work with them in certain capacities, you know, obviously projects and RFPs, and we even have a innovation advisory council where we network, um, you know, on innovative ideas um, with other companies in the private sector. Um, believe it or not, that has had no direct correlation to the pace of modernization um, at the city of Seattle. Um, in fact, I would say it's almost been more of a challenge for the city of Seattle because um, there are plenty of places for uh, technical resources to go find a job um, in the private sector versus, you know, in, in public sector. So a lot of times within our workforce, we have uh, some really high caliber folks, but they're typically the individuals that you find who are um, have decided to commit a portion of their career to to public service as opposed to um, Benjamins. There you go. And, and that's really impressive because obviously in the last four months, right, the whole world has been hit by COVID. 
and your team in the city has gotten rave reviews for how y'all have responded. But in many ways, this didn't happen overnight. This took place. This was a, you know, a, a long time to making, as they would say, and back as far as 2017 in terms of consolidating departments and creating a team of Microsoft 365 admins. Why was that a crucial starting point? I guess what kick-started that whole process? Um, at the time, and, and not to, to go too far off the question, um, a quick background um, of where Dan's been. Um, since you and I have, have, have spent a lot of time together in, in the community. Um, so I, want, I joined Microsoft uh, about a decade ago, a little more than a decade ago, and that was kind of when I disappeared because uh, they just sent me around to every customer. They, uh, <laughs> I was traveling the country and, and working with enterprise customers, uh, so didn't have a lot of time for, for community work. Um, I left uh, Microsoft to go and join the city um, in 2017. So I've been there um, roughly three years now, uh, almost four. So when I left the city, uh, when I left Microsoft to join the city, it was specifically because I had started working with them and saw that um, they were heading towards Office 365. They had gotten its change there, and they had SharePoint, and they you know, were starting to look at OneDrive. But everything was still the old way. It was still on-prem. It was still, uh, we still had SharePoint environments on-prem. All the file stores were still on-prem. And so the tools were there. The platform was there. None of the things had been put in place to make it a success. So there had been no um, uh, governance that involved uh, the business. There had been no um, skills and training and learning program. Uh, there had been no user groups. There had been no communications plan. There wasn't even fully operationally staffed. Um, in 2016, the team uh, was actually, there were just two SharePoint admins. Um, and then Rob Landis, who's, who's joined us as well today, um, our solution architect, he was uh, not even dedicated to the effort. He had a lot of other things that he was supporting at the city. Uh, so at that time, uh, with the vision, I, you know, we, we took a look at it and I said, look, this is going to quickly explode, um, not, not to reuse the term shareplosion, uh, but this is going to quickly blow up on you <laughs> and y'all are going not to be in a position to support this. So it was a case of um, realizing what was going to come ahead from a modernization and um, just true organic adoption. We were going to need more things in play to support. So we just started focusing on those. Um, and so 2016, 2017, and a little bit in 2018, we really just started focusing on our support model, our strategy model, what are our, what is our operations, and really just focusing on making sure that we were in a position to support the platform, but at the same time to get the education and training that was going to be so vital to our success out there. I mean, that's that's a brilliant move, right? Because we're seeing across public sector agencies or even private companies that this is a big gap. You know, organizations are trying to transform. They're embracing the cloud. They're using Microsoft 365. But the mindset is still very traditional IT. We've got the exchange person, the SharePoint person, you know, the security person. And now when they move to the cloud, questions come up now. Okay, who's going to own Office 365 groups? And well, Office 365 groups about membership, so maybe the Azure or the security team should take care of that. But then it has a lot to do with SharePoint, right? And then the same with Teams, for example. Oh, Teams is for calling. Let's have the UC team take care of it. But then again, calling is only a, a, a small piece of it. 
So I'm sure part of your motivation or the city's motivation is to certainly get these experts in the specific workloads, but holistically have a core group of people, architects or admins, however you want to call it, really well-versed in the inner uh, relationship with these different technologies and how you can benefit from it, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, And the city experienced that. So in 2019, um, I think it's 2019. What year is this? It's been a long year. What year is this? <laughs> 2020. <laughs> uh, 2020. Uh, so yeah, just a year and a half, year and a half ago, um, the department got a new chief technology officer, Saad Bashir. Um, under his leadership, um, he Saad got it. Um, day one, he knew. And he said, "This is this is where this is the future. This is where governments are looking. This is where every organization is starting to look." Saad got it, and um, you know gave his staff, the, the resources and the empowerment it needed to, to go forth. Um, so a new division was established, the digital workplace division. So it was no longer just an office 65 team, uh, became the full division. And just like you had called out, the city had been going through some of those challenges of, uh, who, who's doing the exchange, uh, administration and how's that going to affect the, f- the folks they're doing security compliance over in this team. And, and the SharePoint team's over here, and but now you also have this Power Automate team, and they're over here. I think everyone knows it's probably doing some head nodding right now. Is it quickly um, the Microsoft 365 stack itself quickly expanded, um, as as we're all happy it did. <laughs> um, and so with that division, we were able to consolidate our our resources and um, and specifically then create a unified strategy for how we were going to support it and how what we were trying to achieve. Um, you know, we actually started going in and developing out success metrics of um, how we were going to measure adoption. And it's not just about telling them uh, about it. It's not just about showing them how to use it. It's then about them you know, leveraging the tools to actually do their work. And so truly measuring those statistics on the back end of, you know, are you seeing a decrease in, in meetings? Are you seeing uh, your file um stores decrease on-prem, but increase, you know, in Office 365? Um, are you seeing a reduction in privacy or um, loss of, of information from your environment? And so that's what we started to see. So as we started, every time we have implemented something to better the service, we, you know, our metrics are showing us that um, our, our actions are, are being rewarding. Our, our adoption numbers go up. Our support calls are going down because we have champions group now. And so it is really about just maturing the model and, and sticking to uh, what you know works best um, and making sure that the organization adopts its best practices. And it's, it's continuous learning, right? Um, you know, as, as you've essentially took care of what I think the most important part, which is people getting everybody trained and equipped and then diving deep into the technology, you know, one of the challenges in having a centralized tenant, like, Microsoft 365 tenant, there there are certain settings that are one tenant, one rule, right? One size fits all. So the way you set up teams creation for accounting is the same way you set up for IT. Has that been a challenge at all? Or is it because due to these adoption strategy you have, people have been quite good at it for these type of policies to be enforced? Mm. Hello, Shift Happens podcast listeners. I have an exciting offer for you. Join us for our in-person Shift Happens conference, October 10 to 11 in Washington, D.C. Registration is free. That's right, it's free. 
and you walk away with actionable strategies from industry leaders and peers to make Shift happen in your digital workplace. Visit shifthappens.to to register today. We'll see you there. Rob, do you want to um, chime in on that one a little bit? Um, I, I will tell you, we did, before Rob gets into it, we did do uh, some pre-planning, um, specifically how things would be governed and, and all those wonderful good things. We kind of personally got caught in a pickle um, in regards to COVID because uh, we're, we're in government tenants, so teams obviously had not been deployed to tenant till last year, and we hadn't fully rolled it out. Um, we're still working on some integration um, components with other uh, collaborative tools and communication tools. So as we were uncovering that, we weren't fully rolled out yet at all. Um, and so during COVID, we had to quickly uh, go into a pilot mode with the mindset of this is just a temporary uh, situation because of COVID. Everyone needs to, everyone needs to displace home. And I, I will be, uh, I'll tell you a very specific uh, moment that that really occurred. I remember um, I was heading down, um, walking down to the city's emergency operations center. Uh, and so you have all the heads of the city, um, this one command center. This was very, 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 very early as things were starting to you know, happen. Um, you know, the first day people started shifting to go into work from home. And, you know, I, I remember entering there and it was that moment of, Hey, actually, you know, you all shouldn't be in the same building either. Uh, it's command center, you know, so it's time, you know, it's time to start doing this telework as well, right? We got to dismiss this. And so of course the, you know, deer and headlights came of how are we going to communicate? And it was teams, teams, we'll just, just roll it out real quick to the PCs and let's get them going. Um, so Rob, you want to talk about how we've kind of did the, um, the automation of that and some of the governance of that? Thanks, Dan. Yeah, Rob Landis, I'm the solutions architect for working under Dan's leadership. We rolled out teams quite, um, we started off with the 39 departments that the city has, and all of them have different requirements, um, specifically around preservation, retention of records, and security. Um, and so with that in mind, we started off and use Microsoft Forms actually as an intake step, and we use Power Automate behind the scenes to collect the information that the users were entering in that forms to automate kind of a provisioning process, knowing that right out of the, um, for the deployment, we were creating teams so quickly that a lot of the retention settings needed to be applied later. Um, so we, we collected all of the information um, through forms to be able to uh, apply it kind of as these were provisioned and as the, um, departments kind of decided, you know, as we're grading different teams and channels, how they would like the um, user experience to be. And so we were kind of doing a live pilot as throughout the entire deployment. Um, but a lot of the automation came through uh, leveraging forms, group mailboxes. We use the team channel for uh, the support uh, for the pilot groups. And as Dan mentioned earlier, uh, we have a very robust champions program uh, with over a thousand members distributed through those 39 departments, which is just fantastic. And we started doing three times a day, having office hours so that if anyone had questions about all these new technologies, we had all of our lead experts kind of available to answer questions and kind of walk them through common use case scenarios, which also let our deployment teams understand kind of what the use cases that the departments were coming up with to leverage these new tools. And we could document them and help other teams kind of leverage the same processes 
for within their own work groups. And that helped quite a bit to kind of champion this, hey, here's a new service. We had been using Skype and conferencing for quite some time, um, but moving those kind of processes into this new collaboration workflow uh, really was the key for our success. And people just immediately saw the ease of use and were able to kind of add it into their kind of remote work within their their teams. Sounds like when, again, when COVID hit, the, the city had to work from home. The normal scenario we see a lot is, especially for organizations that started using Teams, is the calling feature, the, the chats, right? So it's, it's like that Skype, you know, uni- unified communication type of use case. But sounds like for you all is certainly I'm sure you're using that. But in addition, you also rolled out this collaboration, the team collaboration capability, which traditionally was uh, being fulfilled by SharePoint. Is that uh, safe to assume that? No, absolutely. Yeah. So um, a alternative to using kind of a shared file share for your team, um, showing how you can copy files into that um, team document library and collaborate and share files through that. Um, really, our OneDrive and SharePoint adoption had been leveraged a lot more for project-based workflows. And we were showing how from a small collaboration, even within your core team, you can have this persistent file sharing and all the conversations and meetings all in one place. And I know that concept is uh, pretty intuitive for a lot of people who are in the industry, but when you're working with uh, construction teams and with, you know, City Light, who is trading power, we try to make parallels on how this might work into frontline workers as well as back office staff. So um, you have to make the correlations across all lines of business, which has been the challenge. In speaking of use cases, you talk a lot about specific use cases. Are there any unique use cases that you all have to put together or train people, especially for first-line workers, right? They may be using mobile, for example, or taking pictures or or those type of scenarios that's really specific to state and local agencies like yours. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I've seen quite a few workloads of recording sessions that they're having within their teammates and posting that to Microsoft Stream. Um, as far as the the collaboration down to the end user device, I think we're still um, getting usage amongst kind of the end um, the mobile the mobile clients and whatnot. Um, but that's a really good good question. And kind of to, to add on to that, this is Dan again. Um, to add on to that, um, it really was um, the use cases are the city has so many different lines of business. Um, I mean, 32 departments. I mean, when you, when you have financial and fire and police and um, all the human services work, um, there's so many different components to a, um, a local government. And they all have very specific different um, lines of business, whether it's internal or external, where they're working with residents or external partners and government entities. Um, and so for us, one of the things we did um, was specifically, um, Rob had mentioned it was our champion. So prior to, prior to COVID, we had started a digital workplace champions program. Um, and, you know, typical user group, grassroots, we started grassroots, um, had a digital workplace lab program where we had folks dressed up and coats and you know wearing the scientific glasses and we did this whole science periodic table theme of how things integrate together uh, within the platform and 
going into COVID, we had over the course of a year, we had built out um, a champions program that had basically about 300 participants. So when this started happening, those questions quickly started coming in of those different use cases. Well, what about this? And what about that? Um, and we're a small team um, comparatively to a you know workforce of 10,000 plus who all at the same time started using these tools. So we quickly realized we were going to need uh, some office hours, <laughs> uh, not just education and training available. We we're going to straight up need office hours to you know answer questions. And so we established some uh, remote work uh, office hours that just have been phenomenal for uh, or for the city. Um, and to, to give you perspective on that, our champions program now, just over the last few months, because of uh, these office hours, our champion program now has over a thousand members. So I'm, we now have over a thousand champions throughout the city that are taking in this learning and then sharing it with their colleagues and they're able to start leveraging the tools to, you know, do their work better or easier, however they would like to leverage the tool. So qu quickly in context, when you say you have a thousand champions, what's the total population of uh, people working for the city? Uh, Rob, you can correct me. I believe the number is 14,000. No, it's definitely 2,000 plus. Um, and just to give you an idea of how popular those office hours have been, one year ago, we had this um, really big learning event and we had uh, about, about a dozen people show up. Um, you know, SharePoint, what? I don't, I don't want to share my documents. We now, through these office hours, um, we have had over, to date, over 14,000 session participants. Amazing. Yes. Just in office hours. And that's since March, so just four months. And, and this correlates to what I read in the ZDNet article, right? Where your SharePoint usage went up 110%. It has. In the last four months, pretty much. And, and with that surge in use, how do you start thinking about information governance then? Because this is key to productivity. Uh, ensuring that, well, obviously you want adoption, you want people taking advantage of it but it's still balancing uh, the, the information governance, uh, things around retention, compliance, life cycle, right? Last thing you want is you have all these uh, content or workspaces there that grow stale. No, that's exactly right. Um, and, and I'll tell you, if, if you ask me how I'm, <laughs> how I'm solving it um, at night, laying in bed because I'm not falling asleep because of it, um, because this is a large amount of fast adoption and I, totally cognizant of we better make sure we are doing this the right way or we're going to be in a pickle, <laughs> another pickle, um, you know, very soon. And luckily we did um, with the, some of the solutions that Rob um, and team put in play to make sure that we're classifying, getting things, you know, set up correctly. There's still the, the issue of the data itself. And we do have um, several initiatives in play there uh, to improve our efforts. Uh, one is we're looking at shifting our SharePoint governance model. Um, so obviously we've always been so bent on SharePoint governance, SharePoint governance, SharePoint governance. It's no longer about just SharePoint. It's now OneDrive and Teams and it's the whole stack now. And so we're looking at um, adjusting our governance model this year. Um, we're looking at incorporating more business stakeholder, um, including, all, including our um, city clerk's office, who's over our city records program. We have... Uh, put in a lot of effort into the security and compliance center so we can make sure our, you know, our e-discovery and all those things are great. Um, but then we're also looking at doing additional software for, for managing that. And Rob, do you want to um, give a little insight into that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with the increased adoption of files going to OneDrive from file shares, we've been deploying Azure Information Protection to classify and protect um, the data as well as uh, data loss prevention policies for uh, traffic coming in and going. Um, and planning on applying that to our team workloads as well. Uh, and so that's a couple of the methods we've been uh, piloting and demoing for many use, uh, user groups that are kind of championing the uh, adoption for OneDrive and moving kind of their team files out there is making sure that we can protect and have them secure. And, and I'm sure while we're still in this pandemic, right, certainly you're planning for all this, there's more initiatives coming in, but at the same time, you're balancing, making sure you support all initiatives around uh, the city and, and, and frankly, the, the state around this pandemic. Any stories that came across both of you that you thought, wow, because of technology, we're, we're making a difference. And not only is it enabling remote work, but we're, we're actually uh, being proactive and be able to help uh, at least fight what's, what's happening out there. One of the main ones that comes uh, up for me is just leveraging kind of some of the new collaboration features to be able to, well, um, the historically we would have city council meetings and everybody would be able to come to the central city hall. Um, we have a bunch of different boards and commissioners uh, groups, which meet with the community, uh, the community on a regular basis. And people would come in and talk with these board members and be able to communicate and have um and all of that came to a stop. And so leveraging uh, teams for um, live events and other uh, you know, collaboration technologies, we've had been able to automatically transcribe and have you know, multiple languages available so that people can kind of join these meetings um, remotely and just kind of changing that workload and that, that, that flow of how you can connect with your community. Because uh, obviously those are huge challenges during this time. And this is this is to the public, right? Like exactly, yeah, out to yeah, the public. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's it's I want in the a unique challenge for us, and just for full disclosure as well, we do support um, WebEx as well for uh, for calling, and so we've even been seeing um, some some good benefits there. Um, just making sure that we have a, a various um, multiple tools in our toolbox <laughs> for the different needs because of our our various um, user base. And, and to that point, um, and just for me, I would say something I, I've kind of found very interesting. I personally have just watched the lines between teams just disintegrate. And so when I, when I bring that up, when I specifically um, chatbots, uh, bot automation, um, all these other great things, I'm seeing the team starting to collaborate together and, and finding these ways to do some really cool stuff. Um, whether it's, you know, pre-populating your chat bots with all your support info, uh, you know, you know, where do I go to provision this? How do I get this? You know, you can do all that in a chat bot and reduce that load on, on your support desk that's focusing on, you know, operations. So that way they're a little freed up to focus on new strategic things. That's awesome. So, you know, apart from, Dan, you mentioned uh, updating the governance model. Any other key initiatives you all are focused on? As this modern workplace has evolved, yeah. So more more governance. Um, so we did just recently acquire um, AppPoint, and I forget which uh, the governance model. Uh, so we'll be leveraging that for for more governance, and then also for you know governance of, of data and all those other wonderful good things. So it's really for us, it's going to be more about 
making sure we're doing the governance of getting the actual policies and um, the do's and don'ts defined with our stakeholders and then just pre-setting all that stuff in a tool. <laughs> um, we no longer want to do things manually, no more, um, especially in government. Um, we just, our, our resources are dwindling from a, um, you know, a budget standpoint. Uh, so it's even more imperative um, that we're automating the, the critical pieces of our operations. And governance is such a critical piece of making sure that we're, um, you know, doing things um, according to the regulated way. Yeah, and, and in the end, right, we want to make it easy for people to do the right thing. Yeah, you know, it's, I tell you, Ducks, it's, for me, it has always been about, um, and, and I hope no one listening takes this the wrong way that's in IT. Um, cause I'm in it myself, but at the end of the day for me, it is all about removing it from the conversation. Um, at the end of the day, a customer walks into the store and all they really want is a bottle of water. <laughs> um, and they don't want to know, uh, what temperature that bottle of water should be stored at. They want, they don't want to know the logistics of shipping that to the store they're literally thirsty and just want to drink a sip of water. So hand them the bottle of water and get out of their way. Um, and, to, and to me, the automation is kind of that. And um, using technology to do a lot of this is put self-service. Um, and so that way you can remove IT from the picture altogether. And that way folks can quickly start using the tools to go achieve their work. Because at the end of the day, their goal is not to get a team assistant set up. They, no, that is, they, do, they do not care about that. They care about the phone call that they're supposed to be making next week. They, they care about the meeting that they're going to have. They care about that document and the deadline of that document. They don't care about all the, the intricacies of, that happened down below. Um, and so it's making sure those things are just handled by IT in a uniform and consistent format. And technology is, in my opinion, the best way to do that. That's awesome. So... Dan and Rob, as always, thank you. Thank you for sharing your insights. I'm sure a lot of our listeners, you know, be it in public sector agency or, or private companies have, have gained a lot from this. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening. If you've enjoyed this conversation, we'd appreciate you if you subscribed. And until the next time, thanks again, Dan. Thanks again, Rob. Bye. Shift Happens Podcast. Thanks for listening. What I took away from this episode was how you need to get away from on-premises thinking of having an admin for every service to a more holistic look at the Microsoft 365 platform. I think whether you're a private or a public sector organization, it's important to consider how crucial their champion program and office hours was to their success. And finally, we saw that teams absolutely exploded across their environment. And that's a story I hear every day. If you're seeing the same thing, Make sure you get out ahead of it with governance and lifecycle policies, whether through the native platform or a third-party provider. Shift Happens Podcast is a production of AppPoint, Inc., produced and edited by the AppPoint brand team. Stay up to date on the latest trends in digital workplace transformation by visiting appoint.com.